Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm awfully excited to be with my peeps today, uh, starting right now until the next couple hours. We're going to be just you and me, and then I'm going to add in some other voices. Patrick Albanese is going to be joining me in just a minute or two, and then Arlene Pelicane will be coming on the program. She's written a number of books on parenting, and she's so interesting. So uh, I've just had an experience where she put her 14-year-old son on a plane all by his, all by himself. We'll learn about that. And then in the second hour, Bev Canaris is going to be joining me, and she's going to be talking about her life story. It's going to be quite interesting. We all have family secrets, don't we? All right, here's a great verse, which I love. It's, uh, it comes out of James. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make some money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sent for them. Okay, we'll be right back. The Our Daily Bread Stand Strong Daily Devotional for Men helps readers reflect on God's Word and apply it to their lives. Each day's devotion, featuring personal stories and relevant scriptures, takes only a few minutes to read, but will leave the reader inspired and encouraged to grow in their faith and embrace God's strength in every area of life. We are giving away five copies this week. Enter to win today at MyFaithRadio.com. That's MyFaithRadio.com. You've heard a talk show before, but maybe not like this. See, the question as you go this morning about worship is not whether you enjoyed it, It's whether God enjoyed it. When we hallow God's name in worship, we're not focusing on personalities or on performance. What we aspire to is the experience that God is really among us. Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. I hope you've uh, had a good weekend, and here it is Monday already, and it's uh, quite hot and steamy here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, so I don't know where it is, what's it doing where you're at, but it is a, a beautiful summer day. If, if you like hot, muggy weather, this is what we call summer, so make the best of it, because uh, you know what happens in a couple of months. We're freezing and complaining, so um, go out and make it a great day. Mondays, I always get a chance to talk to my friend and colleague from prestigious West Des Moines, Patrick Albanese. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I, I too, am hot, hot and steamy. <laughs> well, it is uh, it is summertime and summer vacation, and a lot of the time in uh, summertime, kids go to vacation Bible school. Isn't that going on at your church this week? Yes, it is. And uh, but that's not the reason why I'm hot and steamy. I'll get to that in a minute. But vacation <laughs> Bible school was, was, uh, was started today. My, my church does it for two weeks at their main location, and then the satellite locations do one week of it. And uh, I think it was close to 2,000 kids in the worship center today. It was 
pure mayhem, but a ton of fun. Yeah. They were a ball. And most yep. of them had access to um, sugar? They actually supplied extra sugar under each seat. <laughs> nice. Nice. That usually <laughs> Which, helps no, things. No. I'm going to go there on, when I go Sunday, I'm going to check under the seat, see if there's still one of those. It's either a Twizzler or, uh, you know, what's the, what's the pixie the stick? Tube of sugar? Pixie, the pixie stick. stick. Yeah. It's a literal tube of sugar. A literal tube of sugar. Yeah. Can you imagine even coming up with a low sugar version of that? What, like I, uh, there's a, there's a, a little protein bar, snack bar, these fiber one bars that the kids like and I like. And uh, so I go, that's something we can all agree on. And they recently decided to lower the calories from 90 to 70. And the 20 calories they removed were all the flavor calories. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I go, this is amazing. The 20 calories could be that delicious. Right. But But you and your kids are all still agreeing about it. Now they're no good anymore. No, they're no good anymore. Right, they're right. Up, what happened? I said, well, they're better for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, of course, of course. But is, isn't it wonderful that kids get a, a week to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then they get to invite their friends, and their friends who might not be church kids are coming along, and they're having a blast, and they're hearing the gospel too. Yeah, although, you know, it's it's also tough because you have to be prepared. Your kids will come home with some tough questions because they'll get, you know, three hours of of Bible teaching, and then they'll say, so— now, when God created light, how exactly did that work? <laughs> Which was a question my 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 almost nine-year-old son hits me with. I go, I'm not entirely certain. Well, I'm glad you asked. I just charged up the iPad. Yeah. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I go, I don't have the actual science on how he created the light. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how kids have sometimes have a hard time just accepting, you know, when God says something, it kind of happens. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Yeah, but they do you ask know. some pretty fundamental questions, which we don't have fundamental answers for. No, we don't. Although, you know, and that's why it's so funny when people are trying to understand something as complex as God. Uh, you know, if our, if our brains were actually complex enough to understand the complexity of God, we wouldn't have to actually ask the questions. But unfortunately, our brains are simple and cannot understand fully the complexity of God. And it's almost an insult to try to imagine that we can. Yeah. It, it's I've had that discussion where people say, well, you know, my thoughts on how God would look at this. I go, well, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'd be putting myself in the place of God trying to imagine how God looks at things. Yeah. God is a mind outside this world that created this world. So it, it's it's not a surprise that we oftentimes feel um, confounded. Yes. And, you know, it was was a tough thing, you know, especially for if you know people that are atheists and they say that they're an atheist because they have to have, you know, definitive answers to everything. And if you can't give them a definitive answer, then they just write the whole thing off. And so it's tough sometimes to have to accept that there are things we just cannot grasp, that we cannot fully understand about how God works and why he works the way that he does, that you say some of those are, those are going to be answered later. Mm -hmm. And it's continuing education. (laughs) It's always good to uh, go to God's word in Acts chapter 20, verses 20 to 32, I sent this over to you, where it says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds mm-hmm. of the church of God, which he brought, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth 
in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. So we have to be on, on our guard. Always. Uh, you know, I think when, you know, as Christians, we sometimes have been mystified as we see a lot of things that change in the culture, not just to Hollywood, but uh, we'll see organizations and we'll say, well, I don't understand what happened to the, there. That was, a, let's say, a good Christian organization, and they seem to have kind of lost their way. And you say, well, of course, because the bad guy will infiltrate organizations like that, and, uh, just like he'll try to infiltrate, infiltrate a church uh, and start twisting things around a little bit. You always have to be on your guard. And, and, and it's really a great reminder. It's the, one of the reminders I want listeners to walk away with this Monday is, uh, you know, to be on your guard because the savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And you have seen it. I have seen it. And I think we have to be super uh, careful and be constantly defending the faith and constantly reminding each other of the power of the gospel and what God's word says. Yeah. It turns out, uh, and I know you know this already, Satan doesn't care. He's, he's not your friend. And uh, so if he goes in and destroys something and it ends up destroying your life, he doesn't care. He doesn't he will care not, about He will not comfort you. He will mock you. Yeah, he's not going to shed a tear over it. He's going he's gonna to have a big laugh over it. Um, and we've seen it a lot with uh, people where you say, gosh, you made, you made this deal, this exchange in life. Let's say it could be that you gave into an addiction and said, this is how I want it to be, thinking that it was going to work out okay. And you say, you realize that, you know, the, the, the demon that's possessing you is just mocking you, is laughing at you as it takes everything that has meaning to you away from you. That doesn't sound like the kind of guy you want to hang out with. No, no, you definitely want to uh, flee from him. Um, yeah. yeah, so draw near to God and he will draw near to you. All right, as I'm looking over just uh, some of the things that happened over the weekend, I know it's always kind of nice to hash over some of the news stories over the weekend. And it's uh, no surprise that the president is once again engaged in a, a Twitter feud, uh, this time with, again, the, uh, with, I think, what, what do they call them, the the Fantastic Four, or what are, what are they called? Yeah, I, uh, I'm not, yeah, the Fantastic Four, they, they actually, those were, those were superheroes. Yeah, I think. I think they are, so it wouldn't be that. I, I don't know. They have, they have, I think, various names for them, but they sure get, for freshman Congress critters, they get an awful lot of press. And, of course, they're really jumping all over Trump for calling them out. But uh, I, I tell you, I, Trump knows how to use the media and you would not know half of the things these, this group of four, this, the Fantastic Four, what do you call it? I clearly know it's not Fantastic Four, but it is, yeah. I don't know how they're identified. Yeah, but you wouldn't even know some of the things that they were saying about America and Americans if it weren't for, you know, Trump saying something so outrageous that people say, can you believe he said that about so-and-so? And then people go, well, why did he do that? Well, she said that... Uh, all every last one of you is a racist <laughs> and she hates America. Oh, mm -hmm. well, okay. I, I guess I can see his point. So he, what, what I believe that Trump does when he does these things, you know, people seem to get outraged, but he's giving it the coverage that it would nor it normally gets glossed over. You wouldn't know these things. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, um, Harvey Weinstein, and now we're going through it again with Jeffrey Epstein. Nobody said, anything, anything, anything. They keep things quiet and the media can just bury a story. You know, it's uh, as I think uh, Iowa Hawk 
the blogger Iowa Huck often says the job of the media is to cover a story with a pillow if necessary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> stops moving. And, you know, it's Trump has demanded that they cover things because um, I, I think I saw a, a couple of the comments, a few of them said, you know, uh, I, I think AOC would like to completely get rid of Department of Homeland Security, mm -hmm. open the border, everybody gets in. And I don't think most Americans are good with anybody who wants to come in just walking across a border and getting free health care and benefits at the expense of the rest of us. I, I don't think that's a popular position. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but. And most of the people that yeah. came into the country legally would prefer that the others do it that way as well. If you've ever no, no, but not anyone who's had to do it. It's an expensive process and it takes a couple of tweaks. can take up to 10 years, I think, in some cases. Uh, but, um, you know, to think that somebody could just walk across the border and then just be granted citizenship without having gone through a process that would have you would think that would upset the legal immigrant. The one who came in and said, I'm going to do it by the books because I want to be an American citizen. And I believe it does. Let me take a yeah. little break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. Uh, and we're going to take uh, 90 seconds and be right back. Welcome back to the show. I'm always uh, glad and happy to talk to my friend Patrick Albanese from uh, the great state of Iowa and the uh, prestigious city of West Des Moines. Uh, Patrick, right before break, we were chatting about these four freshmen that make a lot of noise. And uh, Ilhan Omar, the representative here from uh, Minnesota, where I live, uh, she's, she said that I probably uh, love this country more than anyone that is a naturally, that's naturally born. And, but, and, but because I'm ashamed of it, I will continue because it, it continues to live in its hypocrisy. Uh, boy, I, that's I'm, I'm going to try that on my on my wife. You know, honey, I love you probably more than anybody has ever loved you. But uh, because of then fill in the blank, I just don't think that's going to go over. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like the old hang on. I'm about to tell you the truth. That, that just sounds like she's not happy with the country. Am I missing something? Oh, she's not happy. Uh, so she obviously wants to, to change it. And she's ashamed that it, it is continuing to live in its hypocrisy. I'm not entirely but, sure what that means. That That's the thing that gets me with some of these things. You know, um, like when people say, you know, America's not the greatest country. I said, okay, fine. Which one's better? And, you know, they might throw something out there, the Norways or the Swedens. And I say, well, what makes them, you know, what makes Norway better? Oh, you know, uh, they have a tremendous uh, free health care system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, oh, they also have closed borders. So should we be like that? Well, no. I said, so are we better than Norway or are we not better than Norway? And it's always hard to get answers to these things, just like the vague people aren't, the rich aren't paying their fair share. Okay, what's a fair share? I'm open. I'm game. Tell mm -hmm. me, give me a number. You know, 30%, 40%, 50%. And if you can get an answer out of somebody, often you'll find, you go, you know, they already pay more than that. The number you just threw out, they already pay more than that. And, you know, how many immigrants should we allow in each year so that we can assimilate properly and help them become Americans? And if they do give you an answer, you say, gosh, we already do more than that now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's... I. I I would love to ask an Ilan Omar. It's like, well, so what needs to change? Okay, you've been vague here. You said, you know, it's it's hypocrisy. We're hypocrites. So what has to change 
to make America meet your definition of a great country or make it right. And I don't know if she could answer that question or if she would, if we would agree. Uh, it's an excellent point. I don't know how social media really works, but when you say outrageous things and you respond with treats, uh, tweets that are outrageous, does it uh, fire up your base? Does it uh, assist you in fundraising? Does it get your base more excited? Temporarily. But it, isn't that just, you know, you have to tune in for the daily dose, don't you? You need, a, you need another hit. It's uh, I, I find that especially Twitter, which can be very vile at times, people sling things back and forth to strangers they've never met, and they're not going to convince anybody of anything. And they leave it feeling like they need a shower. And, and then you're back the next day saying, hey, what's everybody up to? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys sleep well? Because I'm raring to go. Throw me some red meat. And it's it's a real snark fest for sure. And, you know, you sometimes come across a very clever one-liner that somebody came up with. But they're all just insults. For my money, anyway, I, what I see is the stuff that seems to get your attention the most is, you know, almost the mean stuff. And you think, why am I consuming this? Mm-hmm. This can't be healthy for me. I need to put my focus somewhere else. Uh, you know, I, if the apostles had had Twitter, I think we would have found that there would have been, you know, some infighting between, you know, uh, a few of the guys. Uh, I mean, imagine the things they would have said about um, uh, Judas. That Judas, I don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad they didn't have social media. Yeah. All right. Uh, we were, uh, I think it came out over the weekend that the good possibility that the next uh, 007 is going to be a black female. Yes. So here we go again. We had the Ghostbusters, but all girls. Ocean's Eleven, but all girls. Uh, and it's yeah, and they're not focusing on whether it's a, a good movie or not. I, I don't need to give them my dollars, but they seem to say, well, if you don't support it, then you must hate women. And I noticed it never goes the other way. Like, for instance, have you seen, and maybe you have, because you know movie producers, is anybody, I'm about to throw a million-dollar idea out there, multi-millions, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but with an all-male cast. What do you think? <laughs> I don't think I mean, that would be a hit. Yeah, I, I think be it's honest. Kind of, and there seems to be this, it's almost like this three-step process. You know, the, 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 they find something that men like. Step one, find things that men like. Uh, step two, wreck it. <laughs> just, just, just completely wreck it. <laughs> if men don't support, uh, support step number two, you call them misogynists and they hate women. Uh, I, I might have told you the story. Uh, uh, Gloria Allred was a, a, a client, a, a member of a club I ran. And uh, she was very famous in L.A. for busting up men's only like health clubs, men's only clubs. And pretty soon there were no more men's only clubs. And then somebody tried to sue the all-female health club, a guy did. And Gloria Allred says, gosh, you know, some things are probably just best left for a single gender. Thinking, oh, now that you've already busted up every single man's health club and men's cigar club and everything else, you know, now you would like to protect the women-only clubs. So this stuff always tends to go one way. I think it's a fad because isn't that a sort of a pendulum swing when nobody goes and supports these movies? Yeah, you know, absolutely it is. 
So New York had a little bit of a scare with uh, a power outage, a blackout in uh, Manhattan over the weekend. Uh, and in the middle of a hot, muggy summer, to have a complete loss of power where nothing's working and elevators aren't working, uh, mm-hmm. that would be an awfully scary place to be. Well, the mayor wasn't working. That's what <laughs> <laughs> He was he was he was here in Iowa uh, trying to you know promote his uh, presidential campaign and I think people here are saying well, look what you did to your city <laughs> is that what is that what you're doing to the rest of the country because uh, how about no votes for you oh funny I mean yeah. it's uh, I didn't know he was in town over the weekend yeah they they do tend to visit here a lot and it's 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 funny you know. Iowa is kind of middle America and I know they like to, it's, it's still a red state. Uh, and we've got shades of purple, of course, in, mm-hmm. in you know, the, the big, big, busy areas. And we have plenty of Democrats that live here, but to come here and to slander half of the country or actually for related to Iowa, more than half, but these are not smart moves. And when I see them show up constantly and they're, they're saying, you know, there's something wrong with those Trump supporters or those Republicans, you go, you know, you're trying to win the votes of Republicans in this state. That's why there's a caucus in this state. So if you're a Democrat and you can't reach out to the, you know, the slight edge we have in Republicans here in this state, you're not going to get them in the rest of the country. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Instead, they just like to insult Yeah, well, there's going to be a lot of activity in Iowa coming up, unfortunately, for you in the next year. Uh, But I I will enjoy hearing your stories and and what uh, how they're being received in Iowa, because that that's going to be quite a fight as to who's going to become the uh, Democratic nominee. As long as they just don't shut down the traffic, you know, (laughs) amazing. You can get my vote if you just get out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll do anything for an easy commute. I really will. Yeah, I kind of think that's how how a lot of people feel. I mean, a lot of people they don't eat, live, and sleep politics like the uh, the politicians do. We we care, but we we don't, and we want to protect and defend the things that we care about as believers. But all that yeah. fighting that goes on is just wears me down. That's why I do so little of it on this show. Well, you know what? I, I don't do any of it. Yeah, well, I saw a, a survey recently that said that you know the the interest in politics is at an all time high, and but they said that, you know, conversely, the interest in religion is low. And you say politics is replacing religion for people. It's becoming their faith. And hence a lot of unhappy people, because I just don't see how that's going to satisfy. God can satisfy. But I just don't see politics. How can politics satisfy? But that's becoming people's religion. And that's sad. Yeah, I think it is really sad. So uh, good luck with the rest of Vacation Bible School, and I hope you can answer some of the kids' questions that they come home with, uh, because that's kind of what mom and dad got to work on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm 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 studying nuclear fusion right now, just in case my son comes up with another toughie. Because yeah, he often hits me with time travel questions too. Dad, if you were to go back in time, <laughs> he's eight. He's almost nine, but he's always talking about the space-time continuum. I'm thinking, I am not equipped to answer these kind of questions. Yeah. I hope you're not showing him cartoons of the dinosaurs who are smoking as to why they became extinct. <laughs> it's still the most logical reason, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is for me. Patrick, and thank, the high thanks so yep. much for doing the show, as always. Thanks. Yep. We'll take a little break. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a short break and be back with more in just a minute.
welcome back to the show. Arlene Pelican is my guest. I always like talking to Arlene. You can go find her at ArlenePelican.com. She's written a number of books, made numerous appearances on television, and is an all-around terrific person. Arlene, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love coming on. Thanks so much. Well, and uh, congratulations on your new book, Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. Boy, is that spot on. Yes. Yeah, I look at that and I think, you know, isn't it true sometimes we get too caught up in, well, I want my kid to grow up and go to this school, or (laughs) I want my kid and marry this person or have this much money. But when it all comes down to it, if you have a kid who loves God, who respects authority and who values what's right, you're going to be like, okay, I'm good. So that's yeah. kind of what we're, what we're wanting to go for. And Arlene, one of the things I hear way too frequently on the program from listeners is, what do I do about my son or daughter who have seemed to have completely drifted away from the faith? Mm. And they, they just, uh, they don't want to go to church. They don't want to have right. conversation with us. And they're doing things that we don't approve of at all. Right. So in other words, yeah. they're not super respecting authority. They're not really loving God and they're really not doing what's right. Yep, it's so true. So n- nice uh, nice time to be writing this book. Uh, it's more important than ever. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, recently, I think you had your 14-year-old uh, fly across country by himself. Yeah. And, <laughs> you, you know, I know some of you will listen to this and you'll be like, big deal. Like, my kids are doing that when they were eight, you know. And then there's going to be others that are like, you let your 14-year-old fly unaccompanied, change planes in Chicago without a phone? Are you crazy? You know, so yeah, there'll well, be both ends of the spectrum. What we need to tell listeners is your, is your son was actually flying the plane, right? Yeah, exactly. He's also the youngest pilot in the United States. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. All right. So he flies unaccompanied without a phone. Oh, and yeah. talk about that experience. Yeah. And I know there well, must we... be a principle in your book that you can connect that to as well. Absolutely. Oh, you know, we were on our family vacation uh, and had already booked those tickets to see my in-laws. And then we realized that Ethan's camp out, our son's camp out, that it was really looking forward to with a church group would make him like he'd need to come home a day or two earlier than the rest of us. So we start scratching our you know, heads. What should we do? OK, let's get you a one way ticket back home. My parents can pick you up from the airport. Like all we have to do is get you to the airplane and let's go. <laughs> and so we chose Southwest because the other airlines either required a, an additional one hundred and fifty dollar charge for, you know, a minor. And then they also didn't allow a stopover. It had to be a direct flight. And I couldn't find a direct flight from point A to point B. So Southwest it was with that change in Chicago. And that's what I was kind of nervous about. And I am telling you, Bill, when I was in the airport with my son, it's like I realized this is like life. Like I prepare you as much as possible. It's not your first time at the airport. You know, we're talking about. You know, we've been flying every year to grandma and grandpa, and you're 14 years old. Like, you have done this a million times. So Mm -hmm. you can do this. So there's experience there. And then my temptation was to tell him everything to do, right? But my husband's better at asking. So then I realized, okay, let me ask. Okay, you get to your destination. Your bag is not a baggage claim. What do you do? You get to Chicago, and what do you do when you leave, you know, the airplane? What's next? How do you find your flight? Okay, you get to that place, and it says, flight canceled. What do you do? (laughs) So I'm talking through all these things with my son and realizing, you know what? He can do this just as well as I could do it, you know? So it, it just showed me 
that it is the explanation so that when your child is still a child, you're explaining, like, this is how you buy things at the grocery store. This is how, look, I'm making a left-hand turn because the light says so. You know, you're just explaining things along the way. And I think as parents, that's so good for us to realize that someday they will fly out by themselves. And so what we can do in the interim is even when you've got like a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old, an 8-year-old, and you're flying, you say, okay, let's look at this monitor. How do we know where we're going next, kids? And it's just that attitude of, hey, I'm preparing you to be an adult instead of, I am going to do everything for you because I am petrified mm-hmm. <laughs> what, might happen, what might happen to you if I don't. Well, everything you're saying, Arlene, uh, sounds like really, really good parenting. That's what you do. You teach them how to yeah. do stuff, and you show them the way. And, you know, sometimes you, I was just talking to a friend of mine who said when I was 18, the day I turned mm-hmm. 18 was pretty much the end of my school year, and I wanted to go visit my uncle in Florida. It took me yeah. three days to get there. And wow. basically what you did when you arrived in Florida three days later was you called home to say, I've arrived. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine today's parent? Like, oh, that wouldn't fly. Three days. Yes. So I would love to talk with you about uh, the cell phone idea because your son, Ethan, did not have a cell phone on this trip, which for most parents listening, they would go, that is out of my comfort zone. So let's talk about how a phone affects a child's independence. Right. And this is so interesting, you know, because the phone has become such a central part of an adult's life, of a teenager's life, and now very much even a child's life. So in our family, it's this value of autonomy, like we do not want you to be dependent on this device. We want you to be able to use your wits and be able to figure stuff out. Yes, there's a benefit of having a phone. And believe me, my husband and I had this conversation. Should we get some kind of burner phone that just texts that our kids can use when they're traveling away from us? You know, and this is kind of a maybe for him, and but more of a yes for me. But then he's like, nope, you know, this has been working really well. Let's just keep at it as we are. So we do. We're not super crazy. Like we have these kinds of conversations, <laughs> you know, but it's this idea that, you know what? 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, people talked to each other. And inside an airport, you can say to someone that works for the airline, excuse me, my flight's been canceled. May I borrow a phone to call my mother? You know, and I'm sure someone, oh, some nice person would be able to do that. And it used to be, of course, you'd have to find this phone and pay for the call and blah, blah, blah. And I just have to ask the neighbor sitting next to you, hey, do you mind if I text my mom real quick? Thanks mm-hmm. so much. You know, right, right. so and that makes him also used to having to make a conversation and to explain himself versus a lot of kids who would be petrified. Like, I can't talk to that stranger next to me. You know, I can't ask this flight attendant for help. Like I couldn't do that. And so I think not having a phone, it helps the child be more resourceful. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, what should I do? It helps them to reach out for help, which is for a child or a teenager so readily given, you know, any adult's going to be like, oh, you need to text your parent. Sure. You know, you can have a conversation. Look me in the eye. I like you, son. I'm going to take care of you. You know, and that was that idea, because I think as parents, sometimes we rely on the Wi-Fi. It's like, this Wi-Fi, this connection is going to get my child from A to B. But the truth is, it's more the wisdom that's inside your child that's going to guide them through life. And I think that phone gives us that false security, like, well, we can track of this little blue dot and know exactly where they are at all times, so that must mean they're safe. 
when it's really more of a what is their heart like like what kind how good are they at decision making can they discern when they're in danger when they're not in danger like those things are so much more valuable so for us it was this idea that a phone kind of makes you grow yourself as a person whereas not having a phone you have to you force you have to grow yourself and your skills and what you do but when you have a phone especially as a child and a teenager you just start relying on that you know, and you might you might not know how to get to school on your own without your little GPS. And uh, so what happens one day when your GPS fails or something happens to your phone? You're like, I can't get to school even though I've been going for two years. You know, so it is that idea of is your child autonomous? Like, can they function without that phone? And for a lot of kids, if they've gotten a phone real young, upper elementary school, middle school, etc., they are lost. If they don't have that phone, they're like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do right now. And we just didn't want that for our kids. Yeah, well, take out the word kid and put in the word me, and yeah, I'm in big so trouble. Yeah, I guess adults, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get so dependent on GPS that, yeah. um, you know, half the time I don't know exactly where I am. All I know is I'm following GPS. Totally. Yeah, so yeah, true. yeah, yeah. So, Arlene, when we're trying to uh, uh, do this uh, parenting process of, of giving our kids more responsibilities. Um, how do we, how do we do that with, let's yeah. say a, a kid who's in elementary school because mm-hmm. uh, your Ethan's 14, that's elementary school. Is that still, on, that's junior high, isn't it? He's all the way in high school already. High school. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so let, let's just back it up a little bit to yep. the younger kids. And, you know, there's lots of grandparents that are interested in this conversation as well. Yep. Um, how, how do we give them more responsibilities? Yeah, and this can start really young. So currently I have a fifth grader, eighth grader, and 10th grader. And so when all the kids were, you know, about first or second grade, they started making their own lunches. So I stopped doing lunches, and they knew, like, okay, I can assemble this here. I can take these snacks from the drawer. I grab a banana, you know, et cetera. So it's not rocket science. It's not like it's an amazing lunch, but it was their responsibility, not my responsibility. So that's a good place to start is just, okay, if you do send your child to, uh, you know, to school with lunch, I know a lot of people buy, but if they do, like, have them do it. Laundry is another area. And I know some parents are so like, oh, I could never do that because the whites will touch the dark, you know? <laughs> so so I know there has to be, you have to have a certain temperament. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care so much. So I'm like, you do your own laundry. So the kids have been doing that since they were, you know, maybe second grade also. Now, I came from a home as an only child where every single thing was done for me. And I don't think I did my own laundry until I was in college. And Mm -hmm. I remember standing in front of that laundry machine with my little quarters like, I have no idea what to do. My husband's a baby of four, and he started doing things very young. So it's really funny. So we've adopted more of the way he was raised for the kids to do more earlier, like Mm -hmm. – to help in the kitchen, for instance. So yesterday we made a guacamole. Well, believe me, when I was nine years old, I never held a knife and like cut things up, you know, but there's my nine-year-old and she's cutting a tomato. She can cut an onion reluctantly, but you know, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, and I'll tell them, you know what, guys, I never could have done this at nine years old. And so it is true that your kids can do so much more, I think, than we give them credit for or that we allow them to do. So let them do things in the kitchen. Let them do their own laundry. Um, my girls, believe it or not, as we are talking on the phone, it's summertime and they're having friends over. And my eighth grader is making the pasta. And so her, her 
whatever sentence was, don't burn the house down while mommy's on the phone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's these little things along mm-hmm. the way. And then it makes them feel like I can do that. I've done that 10 times at my house. Yeah. And I think that's what's important is that they have this background of this isn't strange. I've done this 10 times at my house. Right. Arlene, I'm with you. I, I did my laundry for the first time in college. Yeah. And it was a big success the first time ah. I did it. The second time I did it, I divided it into two loads, the pink load and the gray load. <laughs> so I uh, probably didn't know what I was doing. Let me take a little break. Arlene Pelican is my guest. Her latest book is called Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. We'll take a short break and be right back. show. I'm so happy to be talking to Arlene Pelican. She's written many books. The one that we're chatting about right now, which I find fascinating, is Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. And I think when it comes down to how we talk to kids and the words we use, it's pretty important. I, according to you, Arlene, we shouldn't say you need to go clean your room, huh? Yeah. I know, it's so funny. Uh, we as parents will say things like that. You need to take out the trash. You need to practice your piano. And the kid's looking at you like, I don't need to do that at all. I don't need to. Yeah, zero need to take out the garbage. Zero need to do the piano. So that's actually something that I heard that I realized, oh my goodness, I say that to my kids a lot. You need to do this. So I'm trying to catch myself and either say, I need you to take out the laundry, you know, because that's more accurate. Mm-hmm. I'm the one with the need. Go, please do it. Yes. Or to f- motivate the need in them. So, for instance, um, if they're having friends over, okay, you need to read for half an hour if your friends are going to come over. And if you don't get your reading done, then I'm sorry, your friends aren't going to be able to come over. Now, all of a sudden, they have a need. You know, mm. it's like, oh, I need to read my book for half an hour because my friend's coming over. So it's that idea of thinking about what is valuable to your kids and putting the need on their shoulders and not yours. So all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I guess I do need to do that. And, you know, there are lots of things you can look at. You know, it might be dessert that you know that you're thinking oh the family's going to make this special pie together tonight but hey this is only eaten after you eat your vegetables so all of a sudden they need to eat their vegetables where before if you just say you need to eat some vegetables they're like no I don't those things are disgusting <laughs> right so so it's the idea of how can you awaken that need in your child and make it for them? And there's lots of things you can do. You know, you've got some kids that are really into their clothing, and you say, well, you know what? If we're going to buy these kinds of clothes for you, you need to be more cooperative. And then all of a sudden they want to do things. So, you know, you know your child and what would motivate them. But put that need on them because they themselves are never going to say like, oh, yeah, I need to clean my room. You know, no kid's going to say that. But if they know – I can't go to soccer until my room is clean or we're not going to Disneyland until I keep a clean room for one month or whatever the case Mm -hmm. is, then all of a sudden they want to do it. Yeah. So what you're doing is your point, you're helping them manage their workload and giving them their responsibilities that they're going to take ownership of and go, I think I know the drill. 
I know yep. I need to have my room clean if I'm going to do the activity that I most want to do. Yep, absolutely. And it's also, you know, with chores, it's a team sport to to let them know all throughout, you know what, this thing doesn't clean itself automatically. And they see you do it and, and you expect them to do it. And you kind of all get in there together. So what are, what are some of the things that uh, we're doing right? And what's another thing that we need to stop doing? Because this, this um, you need to clean your room. Uh, I bet a lot of parents are saying that. So what's one other thing that we can stop doing? And then what are some things we're doing well? Yeah, I think one thing that we do well as parents is encourage our kids. Maybe the kids of yesteryear didn't hear much of that, but Mm -hmm. I think kids today hear that from their parents, like you're valuable, you're worth a lot, you're doing a great job. And the more specific we can be in that praise, the better, you know, the more we can say, hey, you were very patient with your sister today, like unusually patient. Good job. So the more specific we can be in our praise, the better. And I think we as parents many times we're doing a great job to encourage our kids to nurture them with our words to believe in them to serve them by driving them places you know it's it's spending time like it shows them that we care i think we're great we're very good at that and i think one area where we could be better at is that we are too we leave the door open for our kids to argue with us instead of just being matter of fact and it's time to go you know, it used to, we might, so instead of saying, it's time to go, everyone get in the car. We have this big explanation. I've told you this a million times. You always know that this, why are you guys still late? Let's go. We still have to be, like, we talk a lot. So there's a lot of talking and there can be yelling. We can be exasperated. We, you know, all those things. So if we, when we are instructing, if we could use less words, I think that's something that would improve our communication, including mine, a whole lot. Mm-hmm. When we talk about uh, encouraging kids, what percentage can we do based on performance and what percentage mm-hmm. should we do based on just intrinsic worth and value? Yeah, I don't know that there's a, you know, a formula. Like, right. oh, I'm going to do 48% here and 52% there. But I think that look for areas of improvement, you know, things that maybe your child has been struggling with, but now they're doing so much better. Like, oh, you used to be so nervous about going in a kid's church and you'd want to stay with me, but now you've been going in with no problems. You know, you're, you're getting used to meeting people and you're being friendly and that's really good. So I think looking for things where your child is showing improvement and obviously, you know, the to reward the effort, you know, if you see efforts being put put out, whether it's with homework or with reading or setting a table or not yelling at someone, you know, you see effort being put out, then you praise that effort. Look at what you've done. And then, you know, always, I, I think it's great for girls, always hear from their dads, you're very beautiful for that girl to feel like, oh, my daddy thinks I'm beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and for a boy to hear you're so, you're so strong, you know, and you make good decisions and I respect you. You know, my, my son, we were talking about earlier, him flying. So he's going to camp, you know, and he's 14 and they kind of do this whole frontiersman thing where they throw the tomahawks and they do the rifle guns. Like, it's a pretty cool thing that they do. And I'm proud of him, you know. And so for me as a mom to say, I'm proud that I can trust you to go across the country without any worry of what you will do. You are responsible. And I'm proud that you are obedient to your camp leaders and you're easy to work with. And they tell me all the time that he's out there serving and cooking and cleaning and putting things up, you know. So for me to say that, because that's his character that's showing, 
you're obedient, you're respectful, you're persevering, you're a hard worker. So praise those character qualities in your children. Mm-hmm. Speaking of camp, I had um, a story shared with me of a young boy at camp, 14, got bullied all week and mm-hmm. got, uh, got kind of a bad dose and a message from another bully that said, you are irrelevant and you should go kill yourself. Oh, my goodness. So uh, as a parent, when your 14-year-old son comes home and, and, and says that to you, what do you say? Well, I tell you what, I, I would have to say at first you run into a corner and closet and you kind of, as a woman, <laughs> I would have a good cry. And of course. God, tell me what in the world I'm supposed to do with my son. You know, and so, and that is that we would be the ones in our kid's corner saying, you know what, let's examine what is true and what is false. And and is this person who said this to you, is this person a wise person? Is this person a foolish person? Or is this person a wicked person? Because mm-hmm. the Bible shows us that the wise people act a certain way. Fools act a certain way. They're just foolish. They don't listen. You know, they kind of run into the same stone over and over and over again. They don't listen. But the wicked, they're really trying to harm you. They are destructive. And so to just help that child realize, where did this come from? Okay, this came from a wicked person. And you know what? If we could get to the place to say, let's pray for that person, because they're coming from a really, really dark place. Mm -hmm. And I think that gives that power to your child to not be a victim, but instead to say, you might have hurt me and said these awful things, but I'm going to pray for you. And I kind of think that's like that powerful judo right back to him. You right, know, that right. like you meant this for evil to me, but I'm going to commit you to God and I'm going to pray for you because you must be in a really dark, awful place to say that to people. And of course, that child, your child, needs to have good friends who say good things about them, true yeah. friends, wise friends, who can get in his corner and say, that's not true about you. Don't listen to that. And that's so important because when you're connected to that phone, you think that's what's true about you, and it's not. And so to realize that people might say what they want, but what's the truth? And the truth is known by your parents. The truth is known by what God says about you. The truth is known by your good and faithful friends, not by these mean bullies who are just out to destroy people and hurt them. So that's so unfortunate that that is happening more and more often. And we as parents can be on the offensive through prayer, like praying over our children and praying even for these bullies. And just the the kinds of uh, expressions they're using and the words. It's like, it was so harsh. It just took me aback that I thought, it's awful. you know, and then this, this kid is, this poor kid is in, in the wilderness where you, yeah. you can't go home at night and have the My safety goodness. and security of your parents defending you. So, and kids are kids, and, but uh, still, you know, it's hard to say this 14 year old's an evil kid, but, uh, cause they're, they just don't have that developed neocortex cortex and yeah. it's not working yet. So, right. but it, the whole thing is, is so tragic. I so appreciate your input and perspective on that, Arlene. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard thing. And we, as parents, we can be the ones to counteract that telling our kids the truth of who they are. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for doing the show. I hope the uh, kids at your house right now have behaved well while you've been on the yes. phone with me. <laughs> that they'll be having lunch and everything will be in its place. <laughs> and, I'm sure it will and, be. <laughs> and if they didn't, we've got something to talk about next time you come on the show. Exactly. All right. Exactly, Thank sure. you. Arlene Pelican has been my guest. Her book is called Parents Rising, Eight Strategies for Raising Kids Who Love God, Respect Authority, and Value What's Right. 
Coming up in the next hour, Beverly Canaris has already joined me in studio. We're going to have a great discussion. She did one of those uh, 23andMe DNA tests and uh, had kind of an interesting surprise, maybe uncovered some family secrets. You know, more and more people are doing that, and some of the results might be quite shocking. And if you've uh, done that and you've had some results that surprised you, uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for sure. Say, if you have never gotten a, a welcome packet, we'd love for you to have one. I think all you have to do is go to MyFaithRadio.com, and there's a welcome packet uh, form you can just fill out online, and we'll, we'll send you that cool welcome packet, let you know all about it. And uh, if you have never uh, enabled your, your Alexa app, if you've got one of those, you can just say, enable the Faith Radio skill, and then you can just say, play Faith Radio, and it starts playing. It's pretty fun. If you have one of those, they are they are really nice. And if you've not downloaded the app, I highly recommend you doing that because it's a great app. Not only does it live stream the minute you open it, but it has the list of all the programs and it's got all sorts of other good information. Just nice to have the Faith Radio app. So we're going to take a little break, and then when we come back in hour two, again, if you uh, have some family secrets that have come out and you they have been devastating and they have been something you have to process and deal with, you're going to want to stick around for this hour coming up with Beverly Canaris. So we'll take a little break, and we'll be right back in just a couple minutes. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.